sticking to it for 51 years, amen? And uh, that's an encouragement. Well, they're my heroes, but my, one of my best and my, one of my greatest heroes sits here with me on the platform. That's my father. And it's a delight to have him with, uh, with us here. He has been faithful to the Lord, serving for many years. My mom right alongside of him and uh, faithfully serving God. Heroes of the faith to me tremendously. And so I, it's a privilege for me. Even if you don't enjoy it, I am. And uh, hearing him preach this morning, and it's uh, dreams come true for us to sit on the same platform for me. Uh, privilege to introduce him and things. And for those of you who think this Pastor Henry speaks too fast, <laughs> enjoy it, okay? Pastor Henry here speaks slow, so you can enjoy that for at least a service, okay? It's my delight to have him here. I hope you'll open up your hearts as we open up God's Word together. Pastor Henry, you come. Amen. Thank you, sir. Love you. Thank you a little bit. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. And uh, what he was trying to say that uh, because I'm here preaching in his stead today, not to judge the church if you're a guest by what I'm about to say or how I say it. But I am honored to be with you. My wife and I are delighted to be here and we enjoy our trip here. And if I lived in the area, uh, I would be a member of Fostoria Baptist Church. I believe in what you're doing. I believe you're doing it well, and I believe you're doing it right, and I think that's important. Uh, down our way, there are about um, six, maybe 650 churches close every year in Indiana, and that's just in Indiana. You'd be good to check your statistics in the state of Michigan. They're dropping like flies, and much of it's because they're changing their philosophy they believe that if we act more like the world, we can get them. That's not the way it works. The world out there is in a prison. And the fact is, you have the key that unlocks the door so they can be free. And it's up to us to share the gospel. And you ought to understand, too, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not the individuals. Paul said, he that planteth is nothing. Neither is he that watereth but God that giveth the increase. So what you ought to do, the best place you can come to in your Christian life is to understand you're nothing and he is everything. When you get that down, you're on your way to success. And I believe you got a lot of it already and I believe you're gonna have a lot more. Let me congratulate you on the 51 years that you've been at this. That's a good thing. Um, it's a lot like marriage. My wife and I have been married 51 years. We celebrated in July, July the 20th. Interestingly enough, the fact is that the scripture said, Paul wrote it in Ephesians, there's a, there's a correlation between marriage and the church. For instance, in 523, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And he goes on through the rest of the text and passage of Scripture. No man ever hated his body and didn't, didn't take care of it, you know. But he's to love his wife as he would take care of himself. Now, here's the deal. In that perspective, it's the wife that looks on and represents the church. And so, consequently, it says, Husbands, you love, the, you love your wife the way I love the church and what I did to take care of it. And just this week, um, my wife and I were talking to a, a lady, and um, she's not a part of this church, and she told us about a situation where 
Her husband found somebody else and he took a walk. Been married over 30 years. I thought that was sad and it is. It's very sad. But then she told us about an elderly couple over 80 years of age, been married for many years, and they separated at the end of their lives almost, and they took a hike. Now let me tell you something. That kind of thing brought me to a consideration and understanding of what I want to share with you today, and, and Brother Ron Ruby, it, Pastor, you shouldn't allow me to follow a guy like that after saying all he said and into 20 minutes, I'm going to say what I'm going to say is going to look like a midget beside a giant. So I commend Brother Ruby and his reflection on what the Lord has done here. But this morning, for the time we have, and we'll talk quick, so it is fast, but you listen with both ears and your heart. If you do that, we can accomplish what the Lord wants. Look at Luke chapter number 2, and look at verse number 41. Luke 2.41, it's a strange text in one sense because it's the only text in the scripture where we have anything about the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2 verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing, and you should underline the word supposing, but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all they, all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Verse 48, and when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And you ought to underline the word sorrowing. Verse 49, and he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Whisk, or know ye not, that I must be about my father's business. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. This morning, I want to speak to you on a subject that uh, sort of goes uh, beyond all that you've heard in the Sunday school this morning. And it's about how not to lose Christ in building a church. You say, oh, that's a very simple way. Well, it's not as simple as you think. Let me call your attention to five things from the text so we honestly are truthful to it. First off, uh, understand that in verse 41, these folks had a very close relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, you, if you're a believer, have even a closer relationship than did his parents. Proof of that is in Mark chapter 3 and the last three verses where uh, the family came to see the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, your, your family's out here. And he said, uh, who's my family? And he turned to these people in front. He's people in front of us. These that do the will of my Father which is exactly what every Christian is expected to do. By the way, don't say you love the Lord and do not do what he says. That's cheap words. And, and talk is cheap everywhere. I mean, all you have to do is turn on television. It's cheap, cheap. And it's getting cheaper in our churches, which is unfortunate. 
In the fact, in this case, verse number 40, uh, 41 also says that they were faithful. In verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every single year. In verse 41, they're faithful. Look at verse number 42. Their relationship with him had been for 12 years. Question, how long have you known the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, hey, man, I've been, I've been saved 50 years. Let me tell you something. Uh, the number of years does not tell you, only tells you how, how long you've been on the road. It does not tell you how far you've traveled on it. So you can brag about how many years you've been saved, but if you do, more is expected of you because you should be further down the road. Did you sin this week? Well, you shouldn't have. Been, you've been saved 50 years. You shouldn't sin. Well, you know and I know that we all sin, but you ought to sin less as you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the further down the road you go, the better you ought to be able to help other people. And by the way, the better people get to know you, they ought to get to know Jesus Christ. That's how it ought to be. There's another thing to note here. And the fourth thing would be in verse 43. They lost him, though I'm sure they loved him. You see, um, husbands sometimes get real busy. And some husbands come home sometime and find their honey gone. You get busy as a bee at one job and you lose the one job you had at home, which was more important than anything else you got going. A lot of husbands draw apart because of busyness. And we pastors have to guard that very carefully. Most important ministry your pastors have are their families. If you flunk out there, you flunked out. Because who are, who are we to get up and tell you how you ought to live when we cannot help our own family do it right? See, that's a waste of your time and mine. And we're too honest to do that. God's looking for a man, by the way. God's looking for men as far as preachers who will get quiet enough for him to give them a message. And two, a preacher who's brave enough to get up and preach it even though he knows the people are not going to like it. And thirdly, a preacher who has the integrity enough to live it after he gets out of his pulpit, when he goes home with his family, when he walks through the aisles of his church and speaks to his membership, someone who really lives what he preaches, practices what he preaches. But let me tell you, every Christian in this room at Fostoria Baptist Church today ought to do the exact same thing. You see, in number five, this is the fifth thing. Here, look at verse number 44, and this is where we'll settle in for our time. Verse 44, they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. The last thing is to tell you about the text is they lost him in the routine of life. They took him for granted. Now this morning, and I don't have a lot of time to develop the point, but let me make it as clear as I can for the time I have. Whatever the care for the few days of, of taking care of this issue and whatever the care for a few days they had, they found that the Lord Jesus had somehow gotten out of it, that is, out of their presence. In other words, they lost him. Though they loved him and though they cared for him deeply, 
And though they actually had all the trappings of a family that was going to train him in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord because they took him every year to the Passover. They made this long trek. And you can add to that, I'm confident, that they also went to the temple worship faithfully. They reared him right. And they were doing the right thing by him. But in the routine of life, they lost him. First thing I would say to you this morning is I hope that you, if you're married, that you not, do not get so caught in the routine of being married that you take for granted your relationship with your spouse. It's an easy thing to do, and the way we know that is because it also, this text proves it can happen with people concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, getting to a little higher spiritual level of understanding is Paul wrote about Jesus Christ as the true Passover. Isn't that something? They went to the Passover that was going to celebrate the son that they had, but they lost him when they went there. Listen to me. You can lose the Lord Jesus Christ in the business of a Bible-believing, independent Baptist church full of good people. This is a perfect place to lose him. You say, how in the world? How could you possibly lose the Lord Jesus Christ in a place like this? Uh, a place that we would call, and I call, um, a citadel of our faith. If you're a believer, the thing you need to do, among a lot of other things, and there are a lot of things we need to do, you need to be in a place where you're constantly being fed with God's Word and challenged to live it out. You need that. It's the citadel of our faith. It's not Christian schools we send them to and colleges and seminaries. It is our Baptist churches that preach God's Word and stand on God's Word and show people that Christians are different. Listen, Hoosiers, and I don't even know what a Hoosier is. I'm a Tennessee boy. My wife's a Hoosier, so I don't know what a Hoosier is, but we live in the state of Indiana, and if you're in Indiana, you're a Hoosier. Now, the thing about that, I don't know what it is, and I don't really know how to describe it, but I know this. Hoosiers have a certain custom about them. You know, if you drove down there and you spent any time around, you'd get the sense there's, a, there's something unique about their culture in that area. When I come to Michigan, I didn't have to be here very long. I sense there's a culture about Michiganites. Now listen carefully. I respect all that. But let me tell you something what you ought to understand. God wants you to be a Christian Michiganite. And you leave off all the stuff that other people who are pagan would count themselves as big about, you know. First off, you ought to be the most humble people in your neighborhood. And yet you have the biggest reason to be the proudest. Because you have a Savior and you're going to heaven when you die. You have every right to brag, but you ought not brag. You ought to understand it's by the grace of God that you are what you are. And you ought to stand on that. You ought to be different. Yeah, it's simple as that. Uh, and, and when I go out places, uh, my wife's helped me immensely. I used to use a lot of grammar that wasn't correct, you know. Uh, D.L. Moody was pathetic in his preaching because of his grammar. And when you read his letters and any of his books, you'll see it. It's right there. He just wrote his heart, and it wasn't good. But God mightily used him because God's looking at the heart of every believer. And he wants your heart to understand you are what you are by the grace of God. But we have a tendency to lose that. You see, this is a place of, of great godly music, and I mean that sincerely. My wife is a musician, and 
we appreciate all in our home. We have over years had two pianos and we have a, a rooms stacked with music and my wife has graced our home with music uh, continuously. And it's been a real joy for me to sit and listen to her as she practices and gets ready for the next service and knows what's coming up and what she's going to do and how she's going to do it and so forth. And in this place, the good music, and I'm confident there are people who not only have practiced and to get better, but are presently practicing and trying their best to get better. Let me just remind you of something. But in your learning, do not get so busy with it that you leave the Lord out of it. You see, you can actually lose him trying to serve him. Because you forget why you're doing this. Why are you doing this? Why did you come here today to do whatever you do as an assignment? I used to tell our people, find your load and lift it. But while you're finding your load, don't forget who gave you the strength to lift it. Our Lord Jesus Christ and his empowering spirit. But you can get so busy doing it and you begin to think that you're doing it. Oh man, I'm somebody. Oh no, you're not. You're nobody trying to point everybody to the somebody that'll change everything. That's what you're doing. And you need to keep perspective of it. And, and the men of a church, men who may be thinking about being called to the ministry to preach the word, to teach the word, uh, you're for sure in the right place. This is a good place under Bible preaching and Bible pastors and a ministry of music being what it is and so forth. But in your learning and your listening and your laboring to be the best preacher or the best teacher you can be, do not leave the Lord Jesus Christ behind or out of the efforts while trying to serve him. We can leave the Lord out of our lives even in our quiet time. You say, are you nuts? You Hoosiers are crazy. How you leave him out of your devotions? Because when your devotions become dry and boring, you're in the wrong program. See, if you don't go to meet the Lord, you don't need to say to yourself, I've got four pages I've got to cover in my notes and journal today. And if you're not thinking, Lord, I, I want to meet you and I want you to speak to my heart. I, listen, I used to get up in my office and I would read a text of scripture and the Lord would just personally minister to me. I would get up and run around in the office. I don't mean really, really run, but I moved around pretty quickly for a 70-year-old guy. And now I'm 71 and I don't move as fast yet. But the point is, I would walk around that room and I'd really just get excited and stand there and praise the Lord. And then the tears would begin to run down my face. And I realized how privileged a person I was to serve such a great God to do so much and change so many things in my life and my family's life and realize what he wanted to do yet through our church and the exciting things that had happened. We had a young lady come to our church. She met my wife and I in the office and asked if she could see me. And my wife, of course, would be in the office when we meet a young lady. And so she was there and uh, this young lady came in. First thing I noticed about her, she had purple hair. That's a dead giveaway. You've got a problem. Not really, but hop heart. But it was shocked the socks off me because I'm a Tennessee boy, never seen purple hair on anything, not even a horse. So this young lady comes in and she starts uh, talking and telling and sharing where she's at in life, and it is not good. And we talked and we had a good conversation and, and excited conversation. 
and uh, give her some direction. She came back, I think, a second time in the conversation. Then I asked her to come to services of our church. And she said, you, how do you think the people accept me? I said, don't worry about the people accepting you. You just be in the services and we'll move from that. She came to the services. She was skeptical because she knew none of us had purple hair. We were not the Purple Hair Association. She understood that this is not going to be good. I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb. But she came. And when she came, one of the older ladies of our church took to her and was kind and gracious and loving to her. And this young lady made a decision, and we baptized her, and she went on her way. And she, not long ago, not all that many years ago, wrote us a letter, and I kept it. And she said, I want to thank you because when I came to the services, I really was scared to death. Nobody touched me, talked to me, speak to me, or even look at me because of my hair. And she said, your people accepted us. Oh, she said, I'm sure they didn't like the hair, but they accepted us. And she said, I just want to let you know that I married a young preacher. We're in a Baptist church in Lisbon, Indiana. And we have a son. And we're going to Go him and teach him to love the Lord and serve him all the days of his life. Let me tell you, beloved, that's what the ministry is all about. Bible preaching, teaching that changes lives and see people pick them up. The Lord does on this level and he takes them to this level and say, ah, how good God is. How good God is. And I say this to you today, I don't know where you are in your Christian walk, but I do know this. One of the worst mistakes you'll ever make is leave the Lord behind. And you can so easily do it. You see, your Christianity will be one of two things. Your Christianity will be a, a burning passion, or it will be a boring responsibility. And when it gets into the needle pushing toward boring, you better get yourself aside, quiet time, lay aside, and you just get on your face before God and say, I'm missing something. I was reading for the devotions in my own life a few weeks ago, and when I got to the passage in, in Zechariah, it's chapter 7, verse 5 and 6, and you don't have time to turn, but in this passage of Scripture, the Lord said, even when you fast, you did not fast toward me. You fasted for yourself. And even when you did these other religious things, you were not doing it for me. You were doing it for yourself. What he was saying was, you left me behind. And you uh, hardly missed me. Oh, you went on with everything you were doing. You were busy as a bee in the springtime. And I say to you, that's exactly how it can happen with you. It reminds me of the article I read. There was kids arranging a figures at a manger scene. And one of the little boys spoke up and said, let's just be sure that Jesus is seen. What if somebody met you who had never met you before? Would they see Jesus in you? When you bow your head for a prayer at meals, oh, 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 or do you bow your heads for prayer at your meal? You see, even when you eat, you remember the passage, Paul wrote it. He said, whatsoever you're doing, word, deed, eat, drink, do all to the glory of God. 
So even when you sit down to eat and drink something, the fact of the matter is those are the most elementary things that you'll ever do in your life to sustain you. He said even on those occasions you do it to the glory of God. What he's saying is don't leave Jesus behind in the most trivial kind of things you do. You go out and mow your yard, thank God for the strength to do it. And you folks in Michigan, you get out and can walk across your lawn and not shovel four inches of snow in the process, thank God you don't have to shovel snow today. You see, it's a matter of thanking God and being aware of God and acting and, and as Tozer used to say, practicing the presence of God all the time, everywhere. You know, uh, let me let you in on a little secret. If you're in ministry, I don't care what position in the ministry here you're in, but let me remind you that the Greeks, the Greeks who came to the Lord Jesus Christ's disciples in John 12 and verse 20 and 21, one of them asked the disciples or said to the disciple, he said, sir, we would see Jesus. Let me tell you, if you're in ministry, people don't come to see you perform. All the beautiful music we heard in the piano, the singing, the orchestra, and the congregation, uh, they did not, and we do not, in Bible-believing churches, perform for people. We come to glorify our Lord, and if our music can lift your spirit and excite your soul, then we've accomplished our purpose. But if you come in here and walk away and talk about how good this is or how great that person is and how wonderful that person is, you've missed our point. You should be saying that about our Lord. We do what we do because of the goodness and the grace of our God. If you've got a voice, you didn't earn it. If you've got a gift, you did not pay for it. God gave it to you with a purpose. And by the way, every gift is an assignment. Every single one of them. No gifts are ever given. And you just say, hey, I'll, I'll do this when I want to, and I'll use it if I like to, and if they don't treat me right, I won't do it. No, that's not yours to do. A gift is an assignment. If he gave you an ability, he's saying, this is an ability. I want you to take it, and I want you to use it for my glory. And people will see you do it to the glory of God. By the way, uh, being in ministry the years we have, I've seen things done to the glory of God. And I've seen things done for the glory of self. And you can sure tell the difference. Let me close with this. And this I, I think was sum it up in a perspective that you can get a grip on. Though there are a lot of other things we could have said. But one of the problems with our present day professing believers in too many of our churches. Are that we're selling the product but we don't use it. That's leaving the Lord behind. It's, a, it's true. Vance Havner said it. We live what we believe, and the rest is just religious talk. That's true. You'll live what you believe. And in that what you believe, you, you'll take Jesus Christ with you. Whether it's in your marriage to make it better, and maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Well, let me tell you why it is. You don't have to be an Einstein counselor to figure it out. You don't have to be in the ministry 50 years to get it. Somebody left Jesus Christ behind. Somebody got selfish. Somebody went their own way and didn't go his way. Every problem in every life of every believer is that they left Jesus behind. And if you do it, it'll happen to you. And as a church, the church is just made up of a lot of you. 
So what happens if you and 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 you leave Christ out? The church is going to suffer. This thing goes together. We sink or swim together. And it's what we do with Jesus Christ, where he is at the center of our life or he's left out completely. There's a, an old saying, no man ever sadly said on his dying bed, I wish I had spent more time at work. The point made is that when you come to die, and you will one day, someday, and maybe even today, you die. Money suddenly looks like what it really is, useless for lasting happiness, while personal relationships become more precious. I mean by that, standing beside your loved one's grave, money loses its pull. Doesn't mean much. It's not interesting. But when you get caught up in work and you let your relationships slide, you first of all left Jesus Christ behind. He'd never want that. While believers left the Lord out of their lives, that caused their churches to appear that they were asleep, the devil worked to divert us to be consumed with self-interest. And you've got to be careful about that. You can get so caught up in self-interest, you forget his interest in you and what he wants to do with you. The devil had this in mind all along from the very beginning, and if he could not get God's people to defect, he'd get them to be diverted from what was most important to their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's called leaving the Lord out of your life and filling your life with yourself. And people do it all the time. And let us be reminded in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, the Lord saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and when a man will open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Let me remind you that that was spoken to a, what? A church. What happened? They left Jesus Christ out. And he's on the outside knocking to get back into his church. Listen, church, if you want to wreck what has been a great ride for you of success for 51 years, you just let Jesus Christ become taken for granted, left out, or not treated and given his proper place in your life day in and day out. It's interesting to me that uh, it happens all too often, leaving Christ the Lord out of our churches, which is just the collective results of all of us as people leaving him out. I was uh, thinking the other day about the passage of where in uh, John's gospel, chapter 21, John was saying, and you recorded and you remember, I'm sure, passage where he said, you know, um, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, I love you. He said, feed my lambs. And he started that conversation with saying, do you love me more than these? And uh, most folks, and I'm not, uh, I'm not on board with that group of folks, they believe what it meant was that, do you, believe, do, you, do you love me more than all these other disciples love me? I don't believe that's what it's saying. I think he's looking at a polished fish that they had just caught and he's saying, do you love me more than all this stuff you've been catching? And he said, sure, we love you more than that. 
And he said, feed my lambs. And then he asked him a second time. And then he asked him a third time. And the reason I don't think he's talking about the other disciples, that comes up later in the text when Peter asked, hey, what shall this man do? Talking about John. He said, what's that to you? Our Lord does not compare servants to servants. He compares servants to his will for their life, and they're doing it. That's what's important to him. Let me tell you something. I don't know what you do around here. If you do anything, and if you don't do anything, you ought to do something if it's nothing but pray, and which isn't a small matter in a church like this. But whatever you do, don't get to loving what you do more than you love him who gave you to do it, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Pastor.